Like my life is self-care. My, the entire way that I live my life is how I take care of myself. It's not just like one moment of like, now I need to take care of myself so that I can do X, Y, Z. And I think, um, finding things that you love, finding things that you're passionate about, pursuing your passion makes you a better parent. Mm. You will naturally parent better as you are doing those things for yourself. Welcome to the Spiritual Shift Worker Podcast. I'm Lianne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real-life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts, from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm, to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to this week's episode of the Spiritual Shipworker Podcast. I'm excited this week to introduce you to Crystal, the parenting coach. This conversation is going to blow your mind if you are a parent and you may have been feeling like what I was feeling prior to having this conversation with Crystal and it changes everything. So Crystal is a certified life coach and she's also Canadian. She homeschools her four children and it is a very, very cool approach. You may have heard the terms like conscious parenting. Um, there's a few others. Crystal uses connection parenting, which I love, but she combines her background in psychology with helpful mindset tools, somatic work, and emotional processing to help parents change generational parenting patterns. And she helps make conscious parenting simple and natural. Like this isn't, we so overcomplicate things and when we get back to the basics on how to parent and learning that parenting you know as a parent there's things that we maybe have got from our parents that we don't want to do or things that we do want to do and how we can turn things around and break some generational um, patterns that is what this conversation is about Crystal is also the host of the Parenting Coach podcast, where she shares helpful parenting tools and guidance every week. There are a few tools that you can go and grab that are in the show notes, but this is a longer episode. But trust me, if you are a parent and there's things that you're doing as a parent that maybe you are aware or feeling in your body that aren't good, that the things that you want to change, Crystal and I talk about it all. So with that said, grab your Java. Let's get started. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the Spiritual Shift Worker podcast. I'm so happy that you're here today. I am too. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I think that we are definitely, you know, just even before hitting record, I think we will have um, a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so what I would love to start, like we have just like literally just connected um, online, which is one of the greatest things that I love about social media. Um, And then finding out that you were always also on my friend Candace's podcast, which she's Mm -hmm. just, it's just, that's the one thing about social media that I'm just like, I love so much. So I would really love for you to introduce yourself, tell the listeners where you are in the world 
And at this current time in your life, the version of Crystal of 2023, what are you super excited about? Okay. I'm excited about so many things, but I will say I'm Crystal, the parenting coach. Um, and I kind of got here through my own struggles in parenting, um, especially parenting neurodiverse kids, um, that I felt that their behaviors were super difficult and super unmanageable. And I had no idea what to do. And I was doing all the traditional parenting tactics and feeling like they weren't working and found a new way of parenting. Some people call it conscious or attachment based, or, um, I don't know, gentle parenting, And I loved that. And I read lots of books about it and I was definitely on board with it, but I really struggled for years to actually implement it or know like how to do it. And it wasn't until I kind of went on my own, like healing journey of like being more introspective and kind of noticing what was going on for me and my own brain and my own soul that things started to shift and change. And so, um, eventually I was able to figure this whole thing out. And I noticed that as I started to parent in a different way, And as it started to get more natural and way more intuitive, um, that my kids' behavior started to change Mm -hmm. and my kiddos that I struggled the most with their tantrums are, um, why I call them meltdowns would decrease by like 90%, like in intensity and also in frequency. And I was like, this is crazy. I didn't do anything to them. I didn't tell them to change. I just changed me. And, um, anyways, fast forward, I was looking for a master's program in therapy. That's what I always planned on doing. And I had finished my degree in psychology and somebody invited me to an evening that a life coach was putting on. And I literally thought a life coach was someone who just like helped you like get out of bed and like pick a career and like apply for schools. Like literally just called you on the phone and coached you through life. Um, I now know that it's a lot more similar to therapy in that, um, you use a lot of the same tools and a lot of the same concepts, but you're just working with a different population of people, people that maybe aren't struggling quite so much. They're just kind of like living ordinary, normal lives, but are hoping to gain more. And they want to kind of, um, boost a certain area of their life. So Mm -hmm. things are already going well and they just want them to be better. And so a lot of people that I work with, I work with couples, um, individuals like moms, dads, and, um, all around the same vein of helping them to, uh, kind of heal their relationship with their kids or, um, amplify that relationship in whatever way they want, um, through mindset work and emotion work and somatic work and everything kind of all combined. So I've been doing this now for a few years. Um, and I, Um, now, um, I've homeschooled my kids for a long time. Like we're on year 11. So it's been like, it's been a a long haul and we love it. And my husband now works online too. And so now we're semi-nomadic and we kind of just travel around living in different places and traveling. And, um, so right now what excites me most is talking to people about how their own inner healing is connected to their ability to consciously parent and kind of what is blocking them. Um, and probably my favorite thing to speak about right now is like triggers, like what is triggering us and why, and how to kind of move through that. So, um, I have a podcast and I hang out on Instagram sometimes and I like <laughs> to hike and I love to read and, um, love to travel, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much there that, um, you know, hopefully we can dig into a lot of that, yeah. but I think maybe to start things off is that maybe we can get a definition out there. Like when you talk about conscious Mm -hmm. parenting or what were the other terms? Gentle parenting. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like Mm -hmm. I've definitely have read and and looked into that because Mm -hmm. as you said, 
you mentioned that your own struggles and how when you changed, everything else changed in regards to your your children's behavior. And I know, like, I've been on that journey myself. And so maybe we can just give a definition exactly what is conscious parenting. Yeah, that's a good question. So I kind of the mentors that I follow and I've been reading from for a long time would be like Dr. Gordon Neufeld, Dr. Deborah McNamara, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, Dr. Dan Siegel, Shafali Sabari. There's so many so many books that I was reading and like courses I would take and learn about. And anyways, we'll get to why that didn't work for me, but, um, that's kind of the, the modality of parenting I'm talking about, but everybody uses different words. So they'll use gentle or respectful or, um, intentional or intuitive or whatever. So conscious parenting to me just means being more intentional about what I'm bringing into my parenting relationship, being more aware of my own thoughts and my own feelings and my own responses and trying to be more intentional versus reactive when it comes to my responses. Um, and also like when I am reactive, kind of looking back and reviewing what's really happening in my brain and in my body and, um, just kind of learning and growing from there. Um, and uh, attachment parenting was kind of my base. That's where that that's where I first started learning about it, like maybe 14, 12 years ago. And um, that is like working on having a secure attachment and a secure connection to your child so that they can feel seen and loved and connected and heard. And so that they can just develop naturally, emotionally through all these phases that we want them to develop through and all these values that we want to for them to learn that that will be taught through us role modeling that behavior to them in the context of that secure attachment. So, um, there's a lot of different lingo going around. I actually, myself call it connection-based parenting because I read all the different kinds of parenting modalities. And I'm like, Oh, really what they mean is like connection, like our connection to our kids, um, and having connection be more important than behavior modification. Yeah. And I think connection, I mean, as humans, like as human beings, we all want connection. And why do we think that it should be any different than with the next generation and the of, of tiny humans that we're raising in this society? So it's funny because I remember when I had my, my oldest is 13 and my youngest is nine. And I remember it felt so, and funny stories that I never thought I'd have kids. So um, when I did, it was like this weird thing that just sort of kicked in, right? That mothering thing where it was like, it was a no brainer for me to have my kids sleep with, with me in the bed. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember people were like, what are you doing? Like, that's such a bad habit. That's going to create such like, you're never going to get them out of there. And we did it, but with both boys and they are like, super great sleepers and have have always been so I don't know if that's you know a bond that was created where it's allowed them to be what do you think about that because I know that's a big one where people mm-hmm. are like oh never do that right that old thinking yeah I think the old thinking is definitely never do that and I had read a lot of studies about it and most of the times when it was like the when negative like when bad things would happen and you're sleeping with your baby would be like if the parent was like um drunk or something like that yeah. Um, there was like a few, there was a few, um, situations or experiences that would happen. There were kind of people like amplified those and were like, this is why it's so dangerous. Yeah. Um, for me, it did always feel natural. It was like the most easy, natural thing ever. And so I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so what we know about sleep is that sleep is actually developmental. So it's not just something that kids like all of a sudden learn how to do. And for sure, there's lots of different, like sleeping training programs that you can do to train your babies to sleep but a lot of them don't take into connection, take into account connection 
or attachment or separation or separation anxiety or um, any of these future things um, that it's just more about like, I need to get my baby to sleep. And yes, like if you're at like rock bottom and you're like, I really just need my baby to sleep for my own mental health. Like that's not the situation I'm talking right. about. Like you do, you do what you need to do for sure. Um, but if things are like going okay and you're like mentally well and have like the capacity for it, um, definitely learning more about attachment and connection, even at like the younger, younger years is really supportive. And like you, it took my children a while to figure out sleeping, but once they did, um, they're really good at it. They're really good at falling asleep and staying asleep. Um, but I think that we don't understand how developmental it really is. Like we get upset when our toddlers are waking up at night, but it's actually really developmentally appropriate for a toddler to wake up several times throughout the night and to not want to go to bed and to have a hard time falling asleep. And so I think a lot of it is just transitioning, like what we think that we know and what really is appropriate for each age slash, like maybe my kid's neurodiverse, and maybe it's going to take a little bit longer for them to learn these skills instead of focusing on the behavior that I want to see mostly it's because it's going to be easier for me right? If my kids sleep through the night, if they go to sleep easily, if they stop screaming and yelling when we're out at the playground, like, yeah, that would make life a lot easier, but it's not necessarily what's like developmentally typical. And we're kind of like, anyways, we have a lot of expectations around what we want. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and that's what you just said, right? A lot of our own expectations or what society has put on generations about expectations Mm -hmm. of what, how we think we should parent our children and yeah. like my husband and I, even though our kids are in school, we don't homeschool. I would almost like during the COVID, right? That was a whole different world. Everybody was the majority of people, and like yourself, who were already homeschooling, it brought such a different sense to me of this is like, this is what they should be doing, not online, but at home and being out playing and learning like different things. And if, if I had that opportunity, to be able to do that, I probably would have chosen that. And that's why what I said before we hit record is that my youngest is home today because it's like, you know what, let's go connect. Let's spend some time together because he's, mm-hmm. as I always say, came into the world on a different template. <laughs> he's very mm-hmm. attuned to what he wants, very attuned at speaking about like, you know, speaking his voice in a very different way. And I, I find it interesting, of course, how kids can all be so different, but I love that that's the basis of what you're speaking and teaching about is the connection with our kids. So you also yeah, mentioned I think that you, yes. sorry, you go don't ahead. have to do homeschool in order yeah. to like focus on your attachment and connection. Yeah. You can do it at any point, but homeschooling, I really got into this from those books I was reading where I was like, I really do want to just kind of focus on our relationship. At that time, I had no idea what I was doing. So I don't think bringing them home necessarily helped our relationship because it just like gave us more time to not get along. (laughs) Um, But over time, it really did kind of give us to that, get us to that melting point of like, I need to figure this out because we spend so many hours together and they're not going to learn from me if we don't have that relationship. So it has been good for our path for sure. But if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I can't do this kind of parenting because I, I'm not home with my kids enough. Like you can absolutely do it, um, in a small amount of hours that you see your kids each day. Mm. It's more about your energy and your being and your response and all of that. Yeah. And that is one thing that I've, I love that you just touched on that because, um, I work shift work. So every other week I'm not even home in the evenings. And so on the days that I am home, it's like, as soon as they get home, it's like, okay, 
I need to just put everything else away and be attentive and hear what they want to say and let them speak. Right. I think Mm -hmm. in this busy world, and I say busy in quotes because that's just a mindset as far as I'm concerned, is that you need to be more attentive. You need to have that intention behind what relationship that you even want with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because we find it's just, there's so much, we're always rushing and we're putting our kids in 6 million different sports and not letting them just be kids that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not necessarily doing them any favors. Yeah. So you mentioned self mothering Mm -hmm. and how is, what exactly is that? And how does that work in relation to conscious parenting? Okay. So I'll I'll go back up to conscious parenting for a minute. So conscious parenting is being more intentional with my response, being more intentional about what am I thinking and what am I feeling and how do I want to intentionally show up in this moment and being more aware of my relationship with my kids and like building that and working through that. And I found for years that like, I understood that concept, but I couldn't do it. Like I just felt reactive, reactive in that my responses kind of just came out of me naturally. Like before I could really like think about it. Um, I wasn't really aware of my thinking and I wasn't really aware of my emotions and I didn't understand the role that those played in my behavior. And so when I learned um, about life coaching, the school that I went to is called the life coach school. And so it's based in cognitive behavioral science. And so it's very like my thoughts create my feelings, my feelings fuel my actions. And so let's go all the way back down to our thoughts and be more aware of like, what am I actually thinking and what am I feeling? And then how am I showing up because of my thoughts and my feelings? And so as I started to do more of that work, I started to notice that every single person that I would work with, once we have processed through what they're feeling, their thoughts and their feelings and their actions and moved them forward and then kind of gone to, okay, well, how could we respond? Like going back to the situation now, what would we do and what can we do in the future? that all of the actions that would come from their new think, feel, do their thoughts, creating their feelings, their feelings, feeling their actions would be connection-based parenting. Even though they haven't read the books, it would be, you know, I'm going to look at them in the eyes and I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be listening to them. And I'd be really understanding and empathetic. And like, they would list all these things sometimes really specifically from like books that I'd read where I was like, they haven't read these books. They don't even know this kind of parenting style. How does this keep happening? And so I realized over time, that through our own inner healing, conscious parenting comes naturally. Mm. It comes and it's, and I don't mean perfection. I don't mean that like every single time we're always going to respond perfectly because there's a place for that also, but, um, place for the mistakes that we make also in teaching our children how to move through mistakes. But I think in general, I was like, this is so fascinating that they don't know about this, but this is like the result. This is like what the result is every time from a healed space. And that healing had more to do with like, not only just being aware of my thoughts, cause I can be aware of them and I can try and change them. But that if I'm really feeling triggered, which is a strong emotional activation, that it's always rooted in something deeper mm-hmm. and the root of something deeper always goes back to, um, some childhood belief that I've had. So, um, that's how those kind of two things are connected. So self-mothering, some people call it inner child healing is going back to those moments when maybe we didn't always get what we needed perfectly and how can we give ourselves what we needed back then and what we need now and, and move forward from that. So for me, it feels like becoming my own mother, like the amazing, most 
divine mother being like whatever I can imagine, like, how can I be that for myself in this moment? Mm -hmm. And what did I need back in those moments? And that's kind of how I heal through those triggers is taking myself back to that. Um, I'll kind of give a example that makes it make more sense. Cause people are probably like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I used to get really frustrated when my kids didn't listen. I'm guessing if you're a parent, you can relate to this. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> tell them over and over and over again, like 70 times. And you're like, but I've said it 70 times and you still, they're like, yeah. what, what? Um, and so I would say it and I would say it and I would say it. And eventually I would just feel so frustrated. Yeah. Like that's usually when I would yell. Right. So now knowing about this work, I took a moment and I'd go back and be like, okay, wait a second. Like what's really bothering me. I'm like, is it the, is it that they're not listening? So then I'd like pause for a minute and be like, Hey, what about them not listening to me bothers me. Yeah. And I got down to like, well, they should listen. I'm like, okay, well, why should they listen? I'm like, well, because good parents have good kids that not only listen, but respond and do exactly what you said to do immediately in that moment. Because when I was being raised, that is exactly what was expected of me. Yeah. What was expected of me was I tell you what to do. You do not question. You listen right now and you do it. And anything out of that box was like, that is not okay. Like there is something wrong with you. This is not an okay way to live. Right. And so even though consciously I've changed, like this is after years of reading, I'd already been coaching for at least a year or more when I uncovered this, that I was like, I've done so much healing work, but subconsciously I'm still carrying a belief about what parent child relationships should look like mm. and that my child's behavior is somehow connected to me. Yes. Right. And like what yes. I'm doing and how I'm parenting and all of that. Anyways, I've uncovered a lot of subconscious beliefs where I'm like, Oh, wow. Had no idea that was there. Yep. So even just the awareness of what they are can bring some healing. And then self mothering is going back to those moments when we did feel that way. And like, what did I actually need in that moment where I actually just didn't even hear my parents, where I was just like playing and being silly or whatever, or where I did, but I didn't really want to do what they had to do. Or I wanted to understand more. Why were they even telling me to do that? And I didn't get any of those things that I needed. I wasn't seen. I wasn't heard. I wasn't validated. How can I give myself back that back then also now? And so, um, Cause I think a lot of those things kind of just get stuck and rooted in our body, even when we don't know that they are. And so, um, conscious parenting comes from inner healing and mm -hmm. that's what I've, that's what I've uncovered. And that's what I teach now. Mm, okay. So we're going to go probably on a little bit of a tangent here, but I love that so much because I think all of this sort of goes on just the theme of just being so self-aware and not just living on autopilot, right? Like mm -hmm. the things we say, the triggers that we allow to trigger us and we don't even understand why, why we're just going through life saying things. And it's like, what well, was that said to me growing up? Right. And so many people either don't want to dig into that because it's painful. Right. So you don't want to, you don't want to mm -hmm. feel a feeling, but also like, what does that, like, what do you need right now? Like, what is it that you need to give yourself? And so what, when you realize this, when you realize that there was, you were reacting or doing something that had been done to you as a kid, what is it that you then gave, what do you give yourself at that moment when you've realized, when you've realized, oh, wait a minute, I was doing these things. I wasn't listening to my parents. They asked me 70 times 
I get it now, but what is it that you as an adult, as the parent now give yourself or what is it that you figured out that you need? I'm sure it's different in every situation, but what is it that you think it's, I think it's actually not because I think it all boils down to connection. Right. Like I think that it's connection to myself, right? So what I really needed back then was to be seen and heard and valued. And I didn't feel that in that moment. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what it is that's triggering me. Usually it's going to boil back down to connection. Like what I needed back then was connection. And so if I allow myself to see myself, to hear myself, to value that opinion, to, to validate that experience, right. Empathy, understanding to feel that feeling and be like, yeah, that was sad that not only that happened once, but that that was my way of being, Mm -hmm. that that is what happened over and over and over again in my life. Yeah. That I was constantly pushing myself to the side and listening to other people and not listening to me and thinking there was something wrong with me every time that I would like have a big explosion of emotion instead of understanding that all emotion, all people feel those feelings and that we can be taught regulation and that I wasn't being taught it. Yeah. I was being taught dysregulation because that's what was being modeled in my home. And so I think that what we really always need is that connection. And so just like that support and understanding for myself. And for me, there's lots of different healing modalities that I think work. Um, For me, it's coaching or therapy or meditation, breath work, hypnotherapy. Um, Those are things that I use work with my clients with my mom is a therapist. Now fast forward, she's gone through her own healing journey also. And now we work together back and forth and do programs together and stuff. So I send people to her and she sends people to me and, um, Anyway, so, uh, we have a really great relationship now, but I can kind of help people kind of figure out like, what is it that you, what kind of healing modality works for you? And then what, you know, how can I help point you to that resource? So, um, in my own coaching, I take, um, a lot of these modalities and kind of combine them together. Um, because once we've uncovered, okay, this is the trigger. I'm aware of this trigger, but like, how do I actually go back and heal? I often find it's really helpful to get into your body. Um, usually that's the only way you can process through it. So that's going to be either a guided meditation, breath work, or hypnotherapy. And, um, all of those probably sound a little bit like woo woo, but really what it is, is like connecting to yourself in that moment of the past and then connecting to yourself now on how it is affecting you and meeting your self with Mm self-compassion and, and connection and attention. And that to me is what self-mothering work is. When I heard that term, I was like, yep, that's it. Like, that's what we're doing. We're giving ourselves what we needed back then and what we need now. And more triggers will show up and we'll move through them and more of them will show up and whatever. But um, over time, you'll find that those triggers or those emotional activations are less intense and they're less frequent. It's like the volumes just like turn down a little bit. And when that happens, you can be a lot more intentional with your response. Whereas if it's a really big trigger, it's going to be almost impossible not to lose it. So, um, and not everybody loses it in the same way, right? My lose, it might look like yelling or getting defensive or passive aggressive. Somebody else's might look like shutting down and withdrawing and going and separating themselves and like watching TV or scrolling social media for hours. And somebody else's might be people pleasing where they're like trying to make everybody else feel like comfortable at the expense of themselves. Um, so anyways, there is a lot, there's a few different ways that we respond to those triggers, but it will be easier to, um, intentionally 
uh, respond in ways that we want to as we move through these triggers. Mm, yeah, it really is. Everything that you've just said has has really like on my journey over the last few years, understanding all of that is that it's not about the dirty dishes in the sink. It's there's something underlying. And what is it that when I say something, I feel like I'm not being heard or seen. And then mm-hmm. I have to take a moment and go, okay, so now what is it that my I'm doing to my children that they need to communicate with me and that connection. And it is about taking a pause, but if you're not aware of, you have to be aware of how you're feeling when you're in the moment, right? Like knowing that these feelings of frustration and anger actually mean something like we need, people need to understand they have to pay attention to those. And so many people maybe just don't see that yet. Right. They think it's just normal. Yeah. Right. For sure. And so, I think that we, we often think it's the other person. Like we don't mm, even acknowledge yes. that it is a trigger. We're just like, oh, it's just because they're being annoying or they're not yeah. listening to me or they're a mean person or yeah. like they need to change. Right. This is exactly where I only know this so well, because this is exactly where I was like five years ago. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, it's definitely my child and their behavior. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, so I, I feel that. And I, and I know that a lot of people are in that boat. And so a lot of it is just acknowledging, like, what is my role in this? Like what's really happening for me inside me. Mm-hmm. And just even like questioning that a little bit more, like you don't have to go all the way to like, now I'm going to heal my trigger. You can even just start at like, what's happening inside my body. How am I feeling and how am I thinking? Yeah. And it's that it's at the end of the day, you are the only one responsible for your actions, right? As you just said, it's mm-hmm. not the other person. It's whatever underlining in yourself that you have to look at first. Yeah. And not in like a judging, like I'm a terrible person way. Right. But it's like very much like a self-compassionate way. Like, Oh, I'm human. Humans have these thoughts. Humans have a hard time with this. And I think one of the things we feel bad about is when we are dysregulated, right. When we do yell or we do respond in a way we don't want to. And so self-compassion for in that situation looks like knowing and understanding that emotional regulation is actually developed through a process called co-regulation, which almost none of us had. There's been like almost zero people I've ever talked to that learned that skill from their parents, because Mm -hmm. you would have had to have a secure attachment and they would have had to been modeling that behavior for you of like, this is when you're upset and this is how you move down from it, not speaking to you about it, but doing it themselves. And often our parents didn't have that ability because their parents didn't teach them. Right. So now we're all adults being like, oh yeah, this is a lovely way of parenting that I'd love to adopt. And then like trying to do it and being like, but I can't do it. Yeah. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't find any parenting books that helped me do that part of the work. It was very much focused on the child and the child parent relationship and how to kind of change that. But there wasn't like, it wasn't like my own inner healing work. It wasn't like, Oh, this is why it's hard for you. This is why it's not necessarily working for you or feeling natural. And, um, now it does now it, it, it intuitively comes now. Right. I don't yell. I haven't yelled in so long. Um, maybe a couple of times over the last few years, yeah. versus a couple of times over the last like day. And, um, that didn't happen from me trying to like push myself not to yell anymore. Like I didn't yeah. trying so far and beating myself up for yelling. Like that didn't ever work. And that won't ever work. Um, And it's just fascinating that I, I, I got what I had always wanted, but from such a different Avenue than I thought I was just Mm -hmm. looking in the wrong direction. Mm. Yeah. Life never is uh, sometimes when you can be open to things happening or coming in, in a different way than what we expect. Right. It's, it's actually quite magical. 
Now, when you have, uh, because as I've been doing the work and I see the way that I want to obviously treat my kids and have that relationship, mm-hmm. I see, and especially if you have a spouse or a partner that isn't quite on the same page yet, mm-hmm. right? I see the just do what you're told because I said so. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's like, I know that I still like, personally, I know there's times when I still say that because I know I've been whatever it is that I haven't dealt with, with my own day, I'm tired, whatever I'm not dealing with, but it's like, I see it amplified now in other people when they're speaking to their kids, even mm-hmm. my husband, right? When I, when I see this, like, just do what you're told. Cause I told you to. And so how do you, like, when you're coaching, you're, you're probably, only, are you, coaching both parents, one parent, just the mom on how to deal with that, knowing that, you know, I know that that's not the answer. Like I know saying just do this because it, because I told you so. So how do you manage that on getting around that kind of one spouse or one parent is working on the triggers and the self healing and the other is not or hasn't been aware, hasn't made it aware yet. So there's a lot of different, I I work with couples. Yes, but I also work with individuals. And so for instance, like in a more extreme example, maybe you're like a single parent and your partner that you're co-parenting with is a completely opposite style of you in that situation. You already kind of know, like, there's not a lot of influence I have here. And I think the best advice that I was told years ago was that you only need one connected, secure attachment in order for you to be able to move through these, the emotional developmental stages to gain the resilience and the intelligence that we want to pass down the values, all of those things. So if you are that one, like just relax and knowing like it it can still happen. Like you don't need every person in your child's life to like be on board. Um, so taking that into a partner situation where you're like, yeah, but I do have a partner the same concept still applies in that your partner does not need to change. They do not need to parent in the same way that you do. And the more that we focus on how different they parent on how um, we don't want them to parent in that way, the more our brain's going to amplify that, right? Our brain only looks for evidence of what our story is. So when that's our story, it's going to look for more evidence and it's actually going to divide us instead of unifying us. So I always tell people, if their partner is not on board with coaching, like if they're not interested and they're just want to stay the way that they're doing, just allow that to be okay. Mm. And focus on things that unify you. Like what are things that we do have in common and guaranteed you both have a lot more in common than you think you do. As in, we both love our children. We both really want what's best for them. We're both doing the style of parenting that we really truly think is best for them. And that might look different, but if that's what unifies us and we focus on that, it will bother us less when they parent in a different way. And we'll start to notice tiny little things that our kids might be learning from them because of their different way of parenting that they might not learn from us, right? They might be learning. Like for me personally, I had one parent who yelled a lot more than another parent. And I remember my whole life thinking I'm going to marry somebody that isn't a yeller. Like, that's just important to me. I want somebody that's like more calm and just more aware and less angry. And I looked for that and that is what I found. And it's been a lovely experience for me. And so, um, and I'm sure there's positive things we can learn also, but I think that just know, um, that your child's still learning that things are still happening. Like it will, it will be okay. Um, and I think lastly, 
the same in it's the same as our parent-child relationship. We really want to control our kids and like change their behavior, right? We're kind of do, doing the same thing with our partner. Sometimes we're like, yeah. well, I really would like to them to do this, this, and this instead of this, this, and this. And so the same concept rings true in that with our kids, the more we focus on connection and relationship and less on control and less on expectations and less on shoulds, the more our influence grows. Yeah. And it will be exactly the same with any relationship in your life, your partner, your friends, your family. If your end goal is like, I really would like to influence them. You influence them through trying, stop trying to change them. You love yeah. them. You accept them. You yeah. connect with them and you focus on that. Instead, your influence will grow way more. And then yeah. maybe there's a little book, you know, you're reading a parenting book and you're just like, oh, this is a really interesting thing that I want to share with my partner. And you just like, read it. Or you like ask them questions or you listen to their side of things. Like things will naturally change yeah. as you change. Like you've been dancing the waltz for so long in this relationship and you're starting like the tango and they're like, wait, how do we do this? Like things will change as we stop trying to change them. And we just love and accept them and understand that we have so much more that unifies us than divides us. Oh yeah. And that's really right. When you're looking um, more on the gratitude and the appreciation that we see in everything. And like you said, any relationship, it's going to amplify that rather than focusing on the problems, because then you just going to amplify the issues rather than the best things that every relationship yeah. can provide. Yeah. I love that. So, so much. And sometimes partners are on board. Like I'll coach mm -hmm. couples where they're like, we both want this or like one partner wants it more than the other, but are like, my partner's willing to come and learn too. Um, and sometimes it's more effective just for one than the other or whatever. Sometimes partners will send me their partner and be like, Hey, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good, but like yeah. they need some support and they're willing and interested in wanting it. And, um, so all, all of those ways can work. So whatever situation you're in, just know, like you're not just doomed because somebody's not on board with you or whatever. Like it'll still, it'll still yeah. work out. And, and being able to, to see that positive, that appreciation, right. That, that still takes. Um, some time for people to do their own inner work first before they can get to that point. Right. So it really does come back to self all, always, always, right. Like <laughs> that's all it comes back to yeah, all the time. It's always, and it's that saying, right. It's, it's always an inside job. And I think more and more every day that I see that when again, little triggers and little things happen, I know that it's like, what have I not done to take care of myself today or regulate myself calm my emotions, my stress, because I know personally, it's the, the little triggers that hit. It's like, Oh, I haven't filled my own cup up first. And now it's overflowing with somebody else's expectations. And what's triggering me about that and why? Right? Yeah. So I think that, I think that digging deeper into too, like what was triggering about this in the first place. And sometimes it might just be like, okay, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Like I haven't fed myself. Well, like that can be it too, but that's going to feel different in my body. That's going to feel a different level and intensity of frustration. Yeah. Like it feels for me personally, when I actually get like aware of my body, more of my body, um, emotions in my body and how they feel that that feels a little bit more like in my head and kind of external. And when it's triggered, it always, I always feel it in my chest. Like it always like kind of mm. spreads in my chest, like, and then spreads through to the rest of my body. It just feels different in my body when it's an actual trigger. And by an actual trigger, I mean like a stronger emotional activation yeah. and it doesn't have to be hugely strong, but I can feel, okay, this is a trigger for me. Yeah. Even if it's like a text that somebody sent yeah. or <laughs> words that somebody said, or a look that my partner gave me. 
right? right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, that's always when I know like, oh, okay, wait, no, this is about me. Like what's happening inside of me right now. And so as we continuously do that work, you'll find less triggers, less intense triggers, and the ability to be more intentional in the way that you want mm-hmm. to, in your responses, creating more pause between the stimulus and the reaction. Yeah. And I'm glad you just said that because that is the biggest, and you had mentioned meditation earlier, and I am a meditation Mm -hmm. teacher, and that is the biggest thing that that has the biggest reward, I guess I could say, benefit right now for me for meditation is that that response time is, is just almost like so big now. It's the triggers there. I'm not the knee jerk, the snapping re- reaction. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can process what's going on because I can just think about what I want to say and why this is happening and then come out with a better response. So meditation mm-hmm. is definitely one of the things that I, you know, recommend. And that's what I work with. Me too. Uh, you it's know, one it's of my favorite so things. And I also huge. notice it lowers my nervous system. Like my nervous system is just naturally more regulated. Yes. Yes. Right. Because it's, it's bringing everything back into the stabilization and everything, your blood flow, your oxygen, like just on the physiological aspect of what meditation does, forget about what it can do with rewiring, you know, the neural pathways in your brain. So what is Crystal, what is the biggest thing? Like, I mean, you've shared so much here, but what is the biggest thing that you have learned? Maybe if you, if you can put it down to one thing, mm-hmm that's maybe shocked you the most about what you've uncovered about yourself in this journey? Well, definitely that I thought it was about other people Mm. and not me. And that, and it's like deeper than that. But I think when I would think about it in the moment, I really thought like their behavior, like their, how they're being like, that's the real problem here. Mm. And it never is. Yeah. And as I uncovered, what was happening inside of me, it gave me an opportunity for growth. And now when I have a trigger, I immediately feel triggered. But then like my next thought is like, Oh, good. Like this is another area of healing that I can go to. And I'm not like always easily just able to go to the, like, Oh, I'm so excited about this trigger. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but it does open up. Like, it's like a mirror. It's a mirror showing me like, okay, this is where it is. This is where it is. And living this life now where I feel so much less triggered where stillness is so important to me. Like you said, the mindset of busyness is gone where my life is more simple. It's more intentional. It's more purposeful. I just love my life so much. And I love my kids so much. Like I said, I loved them before. And I said, I enjoyed parenting before, but there was a huge percentage that I really didn't enjoy that. I really wasn't finding any joy in. And that I was really like, just biding the time to be like, wow, I cannot wait for like, when they can do up their seatbelt. I cannot wait for when they can get into the car by themselves. I cannot wait for when they stop freaking out. Then as teenagers, like I cannot wait until they're like gone. So I don't, whatever, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. Mm. Like when people complain about their kids and their teenagers and all the problems they're having, I don't resonate anymore because I do not feel that way about my life and about my family and about my kids. I could anybody else could look into my life and be like, this is why it's difficult. This is why your kids are difficult. Right. I mean, I have lots of neurodiverse kids, but I feel like, um, it's me that changed. Yeah. And through me changing, my kids changed and my partner changed and our life changed. Mm -hmm. And 
it's not like, I don't want it to feel like it's like this invisible weight put on you that you're like, now this is another thing I have to do, but more of like an empowering, like if I do want things to change, like I have power. Yeah. I can actually do it even if nothing else in my circumstance changes. And, um, that's been probably one of the most powerful learning experiences, um, for me. And one more surprising thing that came up is that like pretty much everything is rooted in shame Mm. and shame is like that. I am not enough, right? Something about me is not enough. And that like every human just feels that in different ways and different flavors and different words that come up, but really it boils down to, I am not enough. And that the answer to the world, I don't know if you've ever (laughs) watched the movie or read the book of like, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And they're like, the answer to everything in universe and everything is 42. So it's not 42. It's (laughs) self-compassion. And I feel that way about it. Whenever I'm like, I know, I literally know the answer to the universe. Yeah. The answer to the universe is self-compassion because the more I feel that way for myself, I don't have to push feeling compassion for others. I don't Mm. have to try to make myself feel compassion and understanding and empathy and connection. If I give myself that first and it all boils down to self-compassion. And when I can like I do really feel like I'm, this is the secret of the universe. I just told you now, you, now, you know, too, everybody knows. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> everybody knows it's self-compassion. And the it more is. that I can focus on that, the more that all the things that I want to change in my life will change. Oh, so good. So good. It really, and I, it's so funny that you say that because that is, I would say just probably over the last couple of years that that is really what I have also learned is that, you know, and again, the shame, the I'm not worthy, I'm not enough has mm-hmm. come in different forms. Um, but once you start to peel back the layers and you deal with the the self-healing and that inner child healing, it's like, ah, okay, self-compassion. Like, and now you've got more, more to give when you understand. And then going back to, because there's, you know, people that have, you know, not the greatest upbringings and, and they're going to continue to say, well, I am why I am because my parents. And again, like you said, you have to look at yourself and you can change. You can change your hair color. You can change where you live. You can change everything. You can change your attitude and your outlook and your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Just with yeah. our parents did the best what they that they could do with what they had, right? Because of generations of programming about the way that, you know, we should raise our kids and not sleep with them in their bed at night and all these things. But having now in this moment in time, self-compassion is, is like you said, it's the secret. Yeah. And you can't find that compassion for your parents that you talked about until you find self-compassion first. Yeah. And yeah. so whatever part, whatever part of your journey you're on right now, that is where I would start. How can I find compassion for myself in this moment. Mm. And that was going to be sort of my next question, right? When it's not just about a relationship specifically with um, your kids, but Mm -hmm. it's your relationship with yourself. Like we are so, people are so disconnected from their bodies, their inner being, listening to their own voice. And it's going back to that. We have to connect back to ourselves in order to see the change that we want to see. Yeah. And that it changes everything else. Like the people that I've worked with have felt like they were more effective at work or whatever their business goals were. They've felt like they changed the relationship with God. Even if we never talked about that on any coaching sessions, like 
um, it's fascinating how many changes, like this one lady said that she just felt like she would smile more at people on the sidewalk. She'd be more confident in her friendships. She'd like, like it literally changes your being because you are changing that you're changing your relationship with yourself, which is the only relationship that you bring into every other relationship that you have. Yeah. And yeah. it will change everything. It can change your relationship with money, your relationship with your house and cleaning your relationship with like your schedule and time and busyness. Like, everything. It is really the center of all these things. And so if you're like, I don't know where to start, that's where you start. You find a healing modality slash a person that can help you move through your own relationship with you so that you can see these changes. Yeah. And whether that's meditation or breath work therapy, mm -hmm. you have to find something that mm -hmm. feels good and that fits, right? Not just what somebody's like, oh, go see a therapist. Cause that doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's finding something or someone that you feel connected to. And, and that again, comes back to listening to that inner voice of knowing what feels best. Yeah. Right. But find yeah. something. I love that. And I also, when I am trying to decide or help a client decide whether or not therapy or coaching is right for them, yeah. if things are going pretty well, like if like daily functioning skills are pretty good and you don't have like a significant trauma or a significant abuse that you need to work through still, um, if you don't need a diagnosis, if it's not, you know, there's no suicidal ideation or medications yeah. that you're worrying about or whatever, like things are just like pretty normal for you. Um, coaching will for sure be more beneficial because coaching yeah. is more about this is where you are and this is where you want to be. And we're going to get you from here to here. Yeah. Um, therapy for sure has a place and it is for sure needed. And so if you're feeling like I'm struggling with daily functioning, I have all these significant things that I haven't really worked through. Um, life just feels really heavy all the time. Like if that's more of the, uh, the energy that you're in, then I would go find a therapist and also know that you don't have to just stay with one. Like if after a couple session, couple sessions, you're not feeling that connection. If after several sessions, you're not feeling any productive moving forward, then like find somebody else. Cause I think that sometimes we just keep doing what we're doing. Cause we're like used to it. And we're like, end up being with a therapist for years and are like, I don't even know if I'm feeling any better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's usually, that's usually my mentality is like, what's going to be most effective for me in this moment with like how I'm doing and with what I want to work through. And then I find that modality and I always have somebody supporting me through something or um, meditation or breath work or whatever. Do, do you think that the narrative and the stigma is changing around therapy? Cause I know as a police officer, oh, yeah. um, the, you know, we definitely have, it's more out there, PTSD, mental health issues. Obviously yeah. we deal with a lot of that at work, but that the stigma between people being able to say, well, I'm in therapy and people would be like, Oh, yeah. this person's, you know, off the rocker, like all those stigma and those yeah. comments. You don't go see a therapist. And if you do, you don't talk about it. Right. Yeah. I had no idea that my parents were in therapy, like most of their lives. Like they like, even in their marriage, like, I don't, I remember just recently having a conversation with my mom and being like, I had no idea. Like you never mentioned that. She's like, are you sure we didn't? And I'm like, yeah. I didn't even know what a therapist was. <laughs> I was like shocked. I don't think that their therapists were very good, but yeah. they did. They did have it. Right. And so I think now, like when I sit around the dinner table with my siblings and we're like talking about different therapies and different modalities that are working for us, like, I definitely think we're unusual in that we're probably a lot more forward thinking about and, and open about that, but I do see it more and more. And people will text me and say, Hey, I know you talked about therapy. Like, who would you suggest? Or like, awesome. I kind of want to get started. Where do you think I should get started? Like even just this weekend, I had probably three people ask me that. 
just to say like, well, for no, somebody that's never been to therapy, like, what should I do and what should I look for? And how do I find a good fit? And I gave them all kind of my prerequisites that I look for. And I think it's going to continue to be more and more normal and natural and accepted. Um, I think life coaching is a little bit more accepted because it doesn't have exactly the same stigma that therapy does, which is so interesting is really, we're doing such a similar thing. That's right. Um, but, um, anyways, but I think it'll keep, I think it'll just keep moving and moving like even breath work, right. People are so into like Wim Hof and cold plunges and all of that is nervous system regulation. Yeah. Right. And so I think that, um, I think all of these things are going to just continue. I think we're at the beginning of just like this huge influx of, of change and of growth and of like destigmatizing mental health and being more inclusive of people that are neurodiverse and of like, there is different ways of being and it's okay. We don't have to send you to a therapist. That's going to change all of those things. It's going to give you all these quote unquote coping mechanisms that are really just like, I don't like the way that you live and let's figure out how to change it versus like, how can we change our world? to be more inclusive of yeah. people that think differently, act differently, you know, anyways. So, yeah, no. And I think that's, that's exactly it. Right. Is that there's all these, what people would maybe even 10 years ago, maybe less, I don't know, like say alternative, um, you know, medicines or alternative modalities to the traditional Western, you know, therapy mm-hmm. medication they're coming out. And I think that is one of the best things about, the connected world that we're in with social media, right? There's different places in the world that are doing things differently, that are living differently, that are living more connected to their children and on a healing journey that are way ahead of us here in North America, the Western uh, society. And I think it's, it's great that we're going to be able to start raising our kids differently than again, not that Mm -hmm. I had a great childhood, but there's definitely things that I see that I'm doing that I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore or raise my kids like that anymore. Yeah. And you don't have to feel like I had a terrible childhood to do this work. Right. Like I think that lots of people would say that my childhood was pretty good. Um, and I think a lot of people that I talk to, once I start digging into things with them, they're like, yeah, that, that happened in my house. Yeah. That happened in my house. And I'm like, yeah, those things stick with you. Like, even if it wasn't anything huge or traumatic, Even if your parents just use shame in their parenting, which they did, unless you're a special unicorn, (laughs) um, (laughs) that sticks with you. Um, and that way of being sticks with you. And so you don't have to feel like there's something way different about me, or there has to be something significant, just like, okay, like what, what healing modality do I think would work and Mm. just start with something. It doesn't even have to be like the right, perfect thing. It might not be, you might like try it and be like, nope, that's not it. That's not it. Um, and just keep at it. Yeah, it doesn't need to be big, big, big when people think of the word trauma, right? They think these, you know, crazy mm-hmm. big things that have happened to them. And it can be just the small, you know, your parents not taking the time to, you know, talk to you every day when you came home from school and you were sent to your room. Or it can be very non-relevant at the time incidents yeah. that build up over time. My favorite trauma quote is um, trauma is an event held in aloneness. Mm -hmm. And so it's not actually the significant event. Like we think it is, it's not being seen and heard and held through those experiences. So it can be, like you said, just something small, like being sent to your room or being yelled at or being not understood when your parents were like trying to deal with you in a sibling rivalry fight or whatever. Right. And where they took somebody else's side and you were like, that is not fair. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. those things can stick with you. Um, 
even if they don't feel super significant or huge. Yeah, for sure. So I know at the beginning, before we started, you mentioned that you move around a lot and you are mm-hmm. currently um, in Southern Alberta um, and that you'll be leaving, I guess, in the fall. So what are yeah. the next plans for you and your family? So we, um, my husband also works online. And so he kind of started his online business once I started mine because I needed so much support in the tech side of it. And he started doing that for me. And then my friends started hiring him because they were like, wait, who's doing all your stuff. So he, he works at a platform called Kajabi and he helps mostly coaches and online entrepreneurs. And so now we can kind of pick our own hours. We can manage our own schedules. We can work from a laptop anywhere we go. And I've wanted to do this life forever, like since we were married and he was just like, uh, we've been married now for 17 and a half years. And for the first like 12 or 13, he was like, "Mm, no. (laughs) And, um, at some point we kind of decided we were going to, we were going to give this a try and a little bit more full time in the last couple of years. Um, so we've kind of just traveled slowly around from place to place, mostly in Canada, a little bit in the U S Um, and, uh, recently decided that we're going to do international now. So we're going to be traveling from September to May and just going to different countries in Europe and hopefully Southeast Asia and maybe some other locations also. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're going to do next. So good. Sounds so great. Well, I have, I, I seriously could keep talking. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot more that we could talk about, but I have loved this conversation so much. So one last mm-hmm. question, because I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. and it sounds like through our conversation, listeners will have figured out that, you know, I'm sure there's still days where things come up, but I don't love the word balance, but where do you find the harmony between taking care of yourself, business owner, mm-hmm. um, you know, Versus the mom and just finding some harmony. So what, and what kind of self-care do you do for yourself? So, um, self-care is a term that I think people get mixed up a lot. And for me, self-care is more about how I treat myself in my mind, how I think about myself, how I speak about myself, either out loud or literally in my mind. And that is the best form of self-care that I can give myself is my own personal relationship with myself. And because I feel good feelings about myself and believe wonderful things about myself. Now I take care of myself in a different way and taking care of myself is what gives me that balance. Mm -hmm. It gives me that ability to kind of move in through the different rhythms of like what I need to be doing. And so my day always starts out every single day with, um, time for me. Um, I also hugely believe in rest in sleeping in, if you need to sleep in and having a nap, if you need to nap in not overworking, in changing our mentality around what successful looks like and what we're, you know, not, not hustle, not all of that. Um, I'm really into minimalism and simplicity, and I've really created a life that's, um, that works for me. Like my life is self-care. My, the entire way that I live my life is how I take care of myself. It's not just like one moment of like, now I need to take care of myself so that I can do X, Y, Z. And I think, um, finding things that you love, finding things that you're passionate about, pursuing your passion makes you a better parent. Mm. You will naturally parent better as you are doing those things for yourself. And so does therapy and all the different modalities that we've been talking about as well. That makes you, that's going to make you a better parent too. So, um, it's not like, you know, getting a manicure or a facial or whatever, although it can be, but it's more about, um, really having just a solid connected relationship with yourself. Yes. 
Oh, that was, that's a wonderful description. Um, I love that so much because that is definitely, you know, what I've learned as well is that it's the micro moments of how you speak to yourself. That's the self-care. That's how you get to be who you want to be, right? You, you have to make that intention to be her and connect back to her every day. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Where can people find you and reach out with questions if they have any, because um, I think again, right, this conversation is going to help so, so many parents out there. My favorite place to hang out is my podcast. It's the parenting coach podcast with crystal. Um, I do it in season. So I'm going to be going into a break pretty soon. Um, and during that break, you can listen to past episodes, but I love that I'm on Instagram at the parenting.coach. Um, my website is coachcrystal.ca. And, um, the programs that I have, or I take a few one-on-one clients, but that's pretty limited and I won't be taking them while I travel. Um, and then I have two group programs. One is faith-based parenting, which is really new. And another one's called parent school. Um, it's not faith-based and, um, they're both amazing. And this is the work that we do through those programs. Um, and those, um, I was going to think of one other thing. Oh yes. If you want to get on my email list, that's how I like talk about like, what am I doing? And I'll give out like support and advice and help answer questions. Um, so if you want to hop on that, if you go to, um, coachcrystal.ca slash wheel W H E E L, you can download my free custom feelings wheel and you can print it off and you can put it on your wall and you can even just start being aware of what am I feeling in my body? And what name does this have? I love it. It's really a beautiful mm. one that I developed and um, you'll be on my email list. And then I can give you more support, answer your questions. You can hear about where we are in the world and what we're doing. Yes. Um, it will yeah. definitely be a journey that people will want to uh, follow along with for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put all of that, of course, in the show notes. So thank you again. And um, yeah, make sure that I will put that uh, download so people can follow you and make yeah. sure that they can always be aware of, of your uh, offers that are coming up. So thank you again, Crystal. Thank you. And if you have loved this episode, make sure that you share and you can uh, tag both Crystal and I, if you are on social media and we will catch you next week on another episode of the spiritual Shipworker podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shipworker podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shipworker and on Instagram at Lianne Magahi. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.